All right, it's good to see you here this evening. Uh, we are praying for rain, so hopefully that will happen before the service is over this evening. We want to pray for some church members, and uh, as Jim mentioned, some mission trips and some losses to our church family. Hospitalized church members we're aware of at Tiff Regional include Robbie Griffin and Sean Lastinger. So we want to continue remembering them at home. Mars Tankersley uh, underwent outpatient uh, surgery Friday in Macon and did well and came home Friday evening, but we want to remember him. Let's also continue remembering Bill Fletcher. And also, uh, Frida Richardson will be having foot surgery on Tuesday. So let's remember her. Uh, mission trips, uh, as you heard, Costa Rica. We have some there at Marietta, Georgia. Um, some there, Fort Pierce, Florida. And uh, the mystery mission trip was to St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands. And that's why Bill kind of kept that under wraps because he didn't want people to sign up just because of the location. So uh, I know it's a beautiful, beautiful site, but they are doing uh, backyard Bible clubs in the morning and sports camps in the afternoon, and uh, we want to remember them. Um, let's continue to pray for rain, as I mentioned. We so desperately need it. Christian sympathy to Billy and Dana King in the death of her brother, Derek Richards, and to Mike and Gloria Moore in the death of her mother, Joanne Dickerson of Carrollton, Georgia. So let's pause right now and pray for these. Father, as we come to this portion of our service, we realize that there's so much we cannot do unless you intervene. And so we pray, Lord, that you will intervene with rain and you will open the floodgates of heaven and pour it out upon our dry and arid land. Replenish the earth for our farmers, for for those who depend on it so heavily, and for all of us, Lord, who, who need water to survive. We pray that, that you'll be merciful and just replenish our earth as only you can. We also pray you intervene for these who are sick. We lift up um, Sean and Robbie to you and pray that particularly you minister to them and heal them. Be with these others who need special, special prayer for Morris as he recovers from surgery. I know he must be in pain. Um, Father, we lift up Frida as she prepares for surgery on Tuesday, and we lift up Bill Fletcher, Lord, as he is continuing to battle cancer. We just pray that you will uh, be with him and, and Brenda and their family and, and comfort them and continue to bring strength and support that they desperately need. Father, we have so many out on mission trips right now. We thank you for the safe travel they enjoyed en route to their destination. Now we pray for the success of those ministries, Lord, that that people will hear the good news of Jesus Christ and respond to it. And, and you'll have the opportunity to do a good work in the hearts and lives of those who go as well and bring them home safely when their work is completed. Father, bless and comfort these who are hurting tonight for Dana King and the loss of a brother and for Gloria Moore and the loss of her mother. Comfort them and their families. And help us, Lord, as we worship you tonight. Open our hearts and our lives to the encouraging word that you're going to bring and help us respond with love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd also like to welcome uh, Ricky Collins directing our music tonight. Gary is on the mission trip to Marietta. And it just so happens this past Wednesday night, we as a church and conference voted to recommend 
uh, Ricky to New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary to work on his degree of Master of, of Worship Studies. So in preparation for that, he's leading us in our music here this evening. So we want to sing out loud and make him feel good. Revelation 5, 9, because you were slain and with your blood you redeemed men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. If you would, please stand while we sing our offertory, hymn number 544, Redeemed, How I Love to Proclaim It. God, I just, I want to thank you for all the blessings you've bestowed upon us, upon me, uh, upon the members of this church, Lord, and God, we do thank you for the rain. Um, I want to especially lift up again uh, Mr. Bill Fletcher, Lord, and Lord, I pray that you'll do more than be with him. I pray that you'll heal him. We've seen that happen with others, and if it's in your will, we know you can do it, and you will do it, and we pray for that. God, as we return our tithes and offerings, God, I, I trust that you'll find us faithful. Find us faithful in our service and to this church and to your kingdom, and that when we arrive that day firsthand in your presence, that you'll say for all of us, job well done. We ask these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.
Tara, appreciate you sharing tonight and leading us in worship. Mr. Collins, appreciate you too. I uh, invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Acts. And we're going to begin with uh, chapter 4. Acts, chapter 4. Am I muted or is this? Maybe now we're working. Thanks. Kirk Johnson was uh, a mentor of mine when I first got out of college. And I'll never forget, he said this, People live by encouragement. And they die silently, painfully, and angrily without it. Have you ever known... Somebody that kind of fanned the flame in your life. Somebody that really was a booster for you. Somebody who encouraged you, who strengthened you. Somebody there that was there to support and to motivate you maybe in difficult times of your life. Well, Barnabas was a man like that. And and we read in chapter 4 of the book of Acts, it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field he owned and and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we've experienced your encouragement just through the last few minutes of worship. Father, no one encourages us like you do. And, and to think that uh, you have given so much attention to this, to this world you created and to every creature and creation that you have. And not for a moment is any of this out of your attention, and yet how much you love us too. How much you long for us just to enjoy you and to walk with you and to worship you and to know you. Father, we pray that tonight as we look into your word and as we look at one of your disciples... That, Father, you would enable us to glean um, 
by your Spirit, how we might be more like you, more like the Lord Jesus, more like your disciples, who encourage and minister to others in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Barnabas was a man like that. Barnabas was actually such an encourager that became his, his nickname. Do y'all know what my nickname is at First Baptist Church? No, 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 no. My my nickname at First Baptist Church around the staff is "Let me ask you this." <laughs> my nickname, uh, Jim will say it, or somebody will say, it. you know, Hughes will always come up with a question. You know, I'm I'm really good at asking questions of the staff. You know, just different things. So that's that's my nickname around here. But Barnabas' nickname was Encouragement, Son of Encouragement. And man, he must have been never ending on that. You know, for that to be your nickname, he must have just always exuded encouragement, especially to the apostles, because they're the ones that gave him this name. And um, people who really need encouragement usually are in leadership positions like the apostles. And so I'm sure that blessed him. You know, I love for people to encourage me. I'm sure you do too. And probably what encourages me the most is not the nickname. What encourages me the most is when people take the time to tell me what Jesus Christ is actually doing in their lives. Sometimes it may be a dry spell they're going through and they're honest about that. Or sometimes it's some wonderful things that's going on in their life and they share that. And and that encourages and blesses my heart. Sometimes people share with me their, their dreams and desires. That gets exciting. You know, when somebody shares, you know, that they have like a vision for a new ministry or, or a burden for a new opportunity or a, or a calling to a new area of service. And when you hear that, that gets me excited. When people share that, it encourages me. Um, you know, watermelon, cantaloupe at this period of time, tomatoes, that encourages me too. Just kidding. Don't, don't everybody start bringing tomatoes and stuff over to the house. Anyway, um, y'all didn't even pick up on that. That was my, you're better at jokes than I am, Pastor. Okay, anyway. Oh, you did. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Well, tonight our prayer is this, that we'll see afresh how we need to be encouragers. So the first thing that we see, and you look in the little bulletin, it's got a little outline. It says, we must be willing to pay the price to encourage new believers. So I want to invite you now to turn over to uh, the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. And as we look at the ninth chapter of the book of Acts, we're going to look, look at verses uh, 26 through 27. And what we're picking up here with is uh, at, on the end of uh, the conversion of the apostle Paul. Okay, He's, Saul was converted, and now we're, we're picking up on that. It says, when, when he, referring to Paul, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. That shouldn't be hard, should it? To join the disciples. To join our church, we're wanting people to come. Amen? Amen. If you're watching my TV tonight and you feel lit, you come on down here. Okay, so when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. In verse 27, and my Bible says, but Barnabas. 
Runel, what does your Bible say? Are you, are you just looking down or are you reading? What's, does it say, but Barnabas? Good, okay, all right. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Now this is interesting here. Acts 9 tells us the conversion of Saul. He begins to preach, and he's created such a, a furor, the, G, the Jews plot to come after him, so he, he escapes and he returns to Jerusalem. Now, we find here that Barnabas was willing to take, so to speak, the bull by the horns, and he takes Saul to the apostles. And then he recounts what happened to Saul. Now, Barnabas wasn't certain of Saul's conversion. He wasn't certain that his conversion was genuine. But what did Barnabas do? He was willing to go to him. He was willing to find out and to hear what had really happened in his life. And then being convinced by that testimony and being convinced by the Holy Spirit, it says, then he brought Paul into the fellowship of the other disciples. And what's interesting to me is when it recounts Paul's testimony, who's actually given Paul's testimony? You read it? It's Barnabas who's actually giving Paul's testimony for him. Is the way it's recorded in the scriptures. And I wonder tonight, are we willing to make the effort to encourage new Christians? Are we willing to go to those who have, you know, Paul's reputation was horrible. I mean, his wasn't just a little, you know, a little bad. His was horrible. Are we willing to go to those who've had, other than a Christian, you know, reputation, and now that they have, they're believers, are we willing to reach out to them and to bring them into the fellowship? See, Barnabas was willing to take the risk. He was willing to embrace a new brother in Christ. Now, what's interesting is Paul did have a religious background, did he not? Yes, he did. So, what do you think Paul knew how to do if he came to church rather than the synagogue? Well, he knew how to behave, didn't he? Amen? I mean, sure, he knew how to listen to the scriptures being read. He knew to bow his head when to pray. When we were praying, he knew when to stand and when to sit, which is good. That's an advantage, that he at least knew what to do during the service. But are we willing to help folks that don't have a religious background? What about people who never grew up in church? People who never grew up with a religious background. Would we be willing to help them actually become Apart. I think that all boils down to are we willing to help them grow in their faith? Are we willing to help them develop deep personal relationships? Are we willing to help encourage them in their walk with Christ? And that can be difficult. It can be hard. It can be demanding. Many times we'll have to go out of our way to encourage people. Sometimes... Our personalities really don't, you know, don't go together with 
with people who don't have a religious background and who don't know how to behave really necessarily in church. Our personalities actually may clash. It may take a special effort. I remember when I became a Christian at age 13, for about four years, I really struggled to try to figure out how do you live the Christian life? And I really didn't know what was going on. I mean, I went to church, I went to Sunday school, but I was just really struggling. But when I was 17, there was a gentleman in our church, his name was Charles Gwaltney. And Mr. Charles took some time. He, he, I think if I recall, one of the entrees we had was that he, he gave me a book like on prayer. And uh, I really wasn't excited about reading the book. You know, he's like, here's this, this book. But he said it meant a lot to him. So I kind of read it as a favor to him. And what happened was, as I was reading it, you know, God kind of was speaking to my life. And since he had recommended it to me, I thought maybe he's got a little more to say that could encourage me as a friend, as a Christian. And so, though I don't remember the book, (laughs) I remember Brother Charles and the way he reached out and the way he encouraged me. Not only during that that year, but I remember over the years how he kept up with me and and how he encouraged me. What I'm saying is, it's great to have Sunday school. It's great to have worship. But those alone will not do it. We must take a personal interest and encourage, just like Barnabas did. He took hold of the Apostle Paul. He encouraged him and he brought him into the fellowship. I want to invite you to to pray with me now. Just bow your head and and pray with me now. And this isn't the closing, just to let you know. Lord Jesus, you just pray in your heart. Give me the opportunity to encourage a new believer. And Lord, let me be the bridge for them to become a part of First Baptist Church. In Jesus' name, amen. It won't be easy. It will not be easy. The second thing I see in this passage of Scripture as we look at the life of of Barnabas is that we must encourage believers in ministry. Encourage believers in ministry. And we're going to flip over now to Acts chapter 11. And we're going to read verses 19 through 26. So the first thing we saw tonight in the scripture is to encourage new believers. And that's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be painful. It's going to have a cost to it. It's not going to be easy. Second thing is encourage people in ministry. In verses 19 of chapter 11, we read this. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen. Who was Stephen? The first, first Christian martyr, exactly. Traveled as those who who had been scattered, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. That sounds strange to us, but to them that sounded like something normal. All right. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Look at verse 21. The Lord's hand was with them. That's our prayer for our mission teams. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people 
believed and turned to the Lord. That's exciting. Verse 22, news of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Verse 24, he was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Now what's probably the greatest compliment of, of um, Barnabas here is on verse 24 was he was a man, a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. Now what did he do full of the Holy Spirit in verse 25? It says, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. When we talk about being an encourager like Barnabas, we not only are called to encourage new believers, but we must encourage believers in ministry. Encourage believers in ministry. When Barnabas saw what God was doing in Antioch, the Holy Spirit said, go get Paul. Go get Paul. Barnabas knew that Paul could have a valuable ministry to these new Christians. So the two of them, it says, ministered together for one day. Is that what it said? One week. One month. What? One year. They worked together for a whole year. Barnabas went out of his way to involve Saul in this ministry. That's, I don't, you know, this sermon isn't very encouraging because being an encourager is work. It's work. If we're going to be an encourager to new believers, it's work. You know what I really wish? I wish everybody who walked the aisle would just get involved in Sunday school and worship and grow, and we wouldn't have to worry. That'd be wonderful. But most people need encouragement as a new Christian. Second thing is I wish everybody who came forward, joined the church, plugged right into a ministry. That would be wonderful. But what most people need is what? They need encouragement. They need encouragement. So let's look at this. How did, how did Barnabas encourage him to be involved in ministry? He partnered with him. He said, come work with me. Come be involved in this ministry together. Now, there are, there are many people who never minister because they're never personally asked by like a mentor. I'll never forget, there was this young man in a previous church, and he just dropped out of our church. And I thought, man, he was sharp. And his wife, they were a sharp couple. I thought, why did they drop out of our church? So I, I rarely do this, but I picked up the phone and just called him and said, what happened? How did we drop the ball or whatever? And, uh, and this was his response. He said, he said, we've been coming for a whole year. I don't know if it had been 365 days or if it had been seven months or, you know, eight, you know, eight, I don't know exactly how long they had been coming. But he said, we've been coming for a whole year. And he said, nobody ever asked me to do anything. 
And he said, I had uh, formerly, me and my wife had worked, taught children. And no one approached us with a challenge for ministry. Now, what was, I always remember about this young man is what he did for a living. I've never met anybody who does this for a living. He flew B-52s for a living. Have any of y'all ever known somebody that flew B-52s for a living? That was his job. Matter of fact, he, I'll never forget he told me this. He said, you know, John, if I go a month without landing to B-52, I have to land it with a, a, a test or checkout pilot or whatever. You know, you, you have to be flying that aircraft a lot to uh, stay qualified or whatever to fly that. But that's, you know, that's what he did for a living. He wanted a challenge. You know, the Lord has laid on our hearts, we know this instinctively, that people want a challenge. They want to be involved. And how are they going to find a place of meaning, meaningful involvement? Well, it's going to be based around their strengths. It's going to be based around their interests. It's going to be based around their passion. Well, not everybody in our church is going to know the passion of, say, Lee Whittle or whatever. People, we're not going to know that. The only way that's going to happen is by somebody who's close. So we, if we're going to be encouragers, it's going to require people that are closer than just, say, the ministerial staff or whatever. You're going to have to be close to people. People in your Sunday school class or people in your prayer group or people that you're involved in closely. And you see their gifts. You see their strengths. We should take that responsibility. If somebody has, you see, wow, they're so friendly in Sunday school. Well, then maybe in your, when your Sunday school class throws their social, you should involve them in helping plan and lead that. Or you see somebody, you notice in Sunday school that when, they, when you pray, they're just really sensitive to the prayer needs. And like, you know, like if it's me, I'll remember one or two things, but they'll remember three or four prayer needs related to Say, you know, Jim Sinclair or somebody. You know, and they'll just really get into that. And you think, oh, well, maybe when we go to visit somebody who's sick, maybe they should be the one going with us, helping visit, because they're going to show that compassion that's on the heart of every member of the class. There's all kinds of ways of ministry. But we must encourage others. You know, we've just been involved this past um, couple months with the nominating committee. And, uh, you know, we actually delayed the start of that because... Merle Smallwood does such a great job. She's got wonderful gifts. She's a great, unfortunately, she rotates off. I wish she could be chairman of the nominating committee forever. But, in, uh, but what I'm getting at is we've, we've just completed that process of, of, of the nominating committee, part of it. You'll be contacted soon probably about other areas like teaching areas. There will be openings for, for teachers. And, and, uh, but the committees we've already worked through. But you know what's hit me about this is, you know, the church itself can never organize itself enough to have everybody a place of official ministry. You know, that's not our goal as a church, that everybody has an official title. Our goal is that everybody be plugged in in ministering in their gifts and in their passion. And the only way that's going to happen is all of us taking that responsibility to encourage others, whether there's an official position or not. So let's pray now together. Will you bow your head and pray? It's a very simple prayer. Lord Jesus, who do I need? Who do I need to encourage in ministry right now? 
Amen. Amen. And finally, as we look at our text tonight, we'll see that we must encourage believers who drop out. We must encourage believers who drop out. If you will, turn over to Acts chapter 15. In Acts chapter 15... We read about a, uh, a heated discussion. It says, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Whose suggestion was that? Sometimes later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back. Well, you remember it was Barnabas who was the one who encouraged Paul. As a new believer, it was Barnabas who encouraged Paul in terms of ministry. Now who's the leader? It's Paul. It's Paul. And you know, as we encourage people in ministry, many are going to eclipse us. We encourage people in ministry, they're going to become the leaders. And we're going to be cheering them on, or we're going to be helping them. That's humbling, because I'd like to think I'm going to be the leader. But the reality is what the Lord has a plan. And God's plan was that Paul was becoming the leader. And I'm glad he was, since he wrote half the New Testament. Amen? Amen. <laughs> God knows what he's doing. So, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back. Referring to their missionary journeys. Let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word and see how they're doing. Now, listen to this. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. I mean, what's the harm in that? He's just saying, let's take so-and-so with us. But Paul didn't think it was wise to take him because he deserted them in that place called Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. And look at verse 39. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria, Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Mark had been with the team of Barnabas and Paul. He had been a part of that team. But during the middle of the missionary journey... John Mark decided he was going back home to Jerusalem. There's no explanation given why. He just went home. The fact is just recorded in scriptures. Now Mark's leaving obviously made Paul question his character or his depth of devotion to to Jesus Christ. Barnabas knew that Mark had deserted him. But he was willing to encourage Mark despite this. So Barnabas took Mark and they went out as a team. And I can just imagine how that went. I am imagining that Barnabas must have spent countless hours initially just listening to Mark. I'm sure Barnabas spent countless hours just communicating out of his own heart about his personal relationship with 
Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, I'm sure that Mark was initially a liability to Barnabas. I'm sure as they were going out and talking initially, he's like, you know, he's sitting over there drinking water in the shade instead of, you know, preaching like Barnabas was. And I'm sure that maybe when they were alone with the leaders of the church and Barnabas was sharing his heart, that Mark really didn't have anything to share because he wasn't feeling that close to the Lord at that point. I'm sure Mark was initially a liability. Yet, the scriptures record for us, as a result of the encouragement and ministry of Barnabas, that John Mark became a valuable servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. The scriptures also say he even became, believe this or not, it's in the Bible, it says he even became a valuable, useful servant to the Apostle Paul, who had said, he is not going with us. And you also know he's the author of the second gospel in the New Testament. I'd call that pretty useful. Amen? I'd say he's... Now, to me, this is the area that's the most difficult to be an encourager. I mean, if a person's come into our church, come into the faith, and... And they've blown it spiritually. They've stepped on a landmine, so to speak, spiritually. Or they've walked away. Or however you want to describe it. If a person uh, no longer like comes to worship services. Or doesn't get involved in Sunday school. I mean, it takes an incredible effort to encourage and to love them. Back into fellowship with the Lord. It takes a great deal of encouragement to help them. I'll never forget. This is the most vivid picture I have. This is one of my first visits here at First Baptist Church. I had gotten here in October. Okay? Y'all aren't going to believe this, but let me tell you something. Y'all need to all, everybody needs to be involved in faith. Let me just tell you why. If you ever go out on faith, you're going to have some of the craziest visits you've ever had in your life. I'm just being honest. You're going to run into some of the funniest things. I'm fixing to tell you one right now. You're not even going to believe it. But this is true. This happened right here at First Baptist Church. Okay. I'd been here about a month. And, uh, and we are going out. I was involved in faith. So we are going out on a visit. And uh, we knock on this door. And it's a church member. We're going to see, you know, a church member, which is great. Hadn't been in a long time. And uh, maybe he's watching by television tonight. I hope so. That'd be great. But anyway, we knock on this door. And he goes... I've never had this. I know why you're here. You do? Why? Do you, why? He says, it's in the bulletin. Now I'm scratching my head like, why I'm going, how did he know why we're coming and it was in the bulletin? Now I was like going, what? You know, because we, we go visit people, you know, who are either visitors. You know, if you fill out a visitor slip, we will come to see you eventually. And, uh, and you know, people who he hadn't been involved. So anyway, he goes, I know why you're here. I go, well, why? He says, in the bulletin. I said, what? He said, it's Stewardship Emphasis Month. You've come to get my ties. I said, sir. (laughs) 
I said, sir, we came to visit you because you're on so-and-so's Sunday school role, hadn't been in a long time, and we just came to check on you. He said, no, I know why you're really here. I was like, sir, we would never do that. <laughs> you know, have any of y'all ever had a visit, somebody says to your house, I'm coming to get your ties? You tell me you haven't, right? <laughs> of course, I said, we'd never do that. We don't do that. He was convinced that I was there that night to get his, I was like, this is the craziest visit I've ever had. I've had crazier, I'm just telling you. But, but I was like going, and I thought, all right, how, how do you reach somebody like that? Obviously, they have preconceived notions, right? Obviously, maybe they've been hurt or something or whatever. How, how do we reach See, we must be encouragers to believers who drop out. That's not going to be easy. There's no formula I can't give you tonight. Okay, do A, B, and C, and, and they'll just be right back in your Sunday school class. No. I, I, I'm really kind of surprised. Uh, you know, every, I'm just warning y'all, you know, every fall in October is our kind of high attendance month. Okay? Just letting you know it's coming again. Okay. And October's high attendance month. And so what we focus on in, in, during that month is contacting people and reaching out to people. Now, just, just just us here tonight. We're not too crowded, are we? Okay, it's just us. All right. Now, why do you think we do that? I mean, why do we have high attendance month at First Baptist Church in October? That's a dangerous question. It's kind of like a children's sermon, isn't it? <laughs> you better be careful what you ask, you know. Well, let me just tell you why we do it. Okay? The reason we do it is this. There's a basic principle in God's Word that we're to be encouragers. And we're to be encouragers of new believers. We're to be encouraging people involved in ministry. We're to be encouraging people who have dropped out of the Christian life or out of church for a while, we're to be encouragers. And so October is a, is a month to remind us of that. That's all it is. It's hopefully to reinforce that core value that that's what we're supposed to be doing all the time. And just to kind of make it fun, we have a game and we call it high attendance day and on that day we're going to try to hit a number. And I guarantee you, as a, again, just to be clear if you're, if you, if you're confused, the, the goal is not that we hit a number on that day, okay? The goal is what? That our lives are transformed and reaching out to people what? All the time. Y'all knew that. I know that. But the preacher has to say something. So, you know, we, we say things you already know. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's say another prayer together. Lord Jesus... Who needs my personal ministry to encourage them to get going, to get growing again in their personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Who is that person, Lord? Show me. In Jesus' name, amen.
How can we be encouragers? Let's give people our time. Let's give them their, our personal attention. Let's communicate that we sincerely care about people. Let's give them sincere encouragement, compliments. Build them up. Build relationships by doing fun things together. Pray for their specific needs. Support them in times of despair and pain. And we know, as we shared earlier, the only way we can do this is like Barnabas did it, full of the Holy Spirit. We can never do it in our own strength, never in our own efforts. So I invite you tonight, as a believer, to just yield your life to the power of the Holy Spirit. He's in you. He lives in you. Just yield again to Him. Lord Jesus, I can't do this, but you can do it through me, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I invite you tonight just to open your heart to Him. To simply say, Lord, I can't even relate to this sermon tonight because I'm not even a Christian yet. But Lord, I, tonight I want to trust Jesus. I want to know Him as my Lord and Savior. And I want to begin to know You. In a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. It's hymn number 305. I've decided to follow Jesus. And if, if tonight, by coming forward... It would strengthen your decision for Christ. I want to encourage you to do that. Brother Wayne's going to be here at the front. And if you've recently invited Jesus into your heart and you are ready to make that public and be baptized, or you have a question about that, come and ask Brother Wayne about how to become a Christian. He'll be glad to share with you and pray with you tonight. Or if you're sensing the Holy Spirit's leading you to join our church and be a part of this fellowship, we invite you to respond. Let's stand together. Let's sing hymn number 305. Thank you.